In a distant land, not too long ago, a man was at the end of a long journey. He'd crossed the deserts of Arizona, New Mexico, and the wide grasslands of the Texas Panhandle. And from dusk to dawn, he drove, and then on into the pitch black of night, till finally, he found what he was looking for. Squinting into the shadows, the man could barely make out his final destination. There was an unassuming metal gate, emblazoned with a single image, a knight rushing forward, a lance under one arm, a shield over the other. As the traveler looked up, two sets of eyes peered back at him. On either side of the gate was a tall, white Spanish stallion. With a deep breath, the man pushed the gate open and stepped inside. After his 18-hour journey of driving through the American Southwest, the man was about to embark on an entirely new kind of journey. The journey to knighthood. I am Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. And today, we visit a North Texas ranch where chivalry is alive and well, and where travelers may enter as ordinary people, but they leave as knights of the highest order. That's after this. Sanger, Texas is a quiet one-street town. It is surrounded by thousands of acres of Texas prairies and farmland. It is mostly cattle and horses and ranches, ranches with names like Jimidy, Double Portion, and Pecan Meadow. But among those ranches, one ranch is different from the others. The Chapel Creek Ranch is owned and operated by Medieval Times. The chain dinner theater restaurant, Medieval Times. Maybe you've driven past one of the 11th century replica castles where they put on their grand shows. Maybe you've been to one of the castles and seen the show. If you haven't, though, you're in good company. Our traveler had actually never been to one either. The only thing that I've heard about Medieval Times was Cable Guy. They had a uh, a skit about medieval times in that movie. So that's all I knew about medieval times. That's Stephen Fisher, the traveler who entered the gates. And the scene he is talking about is exactly how you imagine one of these shows to be. Welcome to a magnificent journey into the past. This is medieval times. The performances are set in medieval Spain because that's where medieval times actually got its start. On the small island of Mallorca in the 1960s with a guy named Jose Montaner. Jose owned one of only two barbecue restaurants on Mallorca and he was constantly looking for creative ways to compete with the other place. One day, he overheard some British customers talking about going to a Renaissance fair and he had a strange idea. Barbecue, plus a jousting show. It became an enormous hit among tourists in Spain. 
And two decades later, he brought the idea to the U.S. as medieval times, and he began building dinner theater castles all across the country. And despite its cable guy fame, Medieval Times is pretty serious about its performances, and it all starts with the horses. Most of the horses are actually purebred Andalusians, very fancy Spanish horses. The breed wasn't even allowed to be exported out of the Iberian Peninsula until 1962. And almost all Medieval Times horses start at Chapel Creek Ranch in Sanger before heading out to one of the various castles across the country. Sorry, bud, you're going to New Jersey. The ranch is where the company breeds, trains, and retires hundreds of horses from all of its shows. The ranch is also where a handful of lucky knights train. And in 2019, Stephen Fisher was one of 10 guys who got the gig after an open call in Arizona. And I've always wanted to be uh, in a theatrical performance of some sort but I can't sing and I can't dance. So, you know, Stephen can't dance, he can't sing. You go for the next best thing, jousting. But when he got to Chapel Creek, he realized there was a small problem. I have never been on a horse in my entire life until the day that I started at Medieval Times. And that was everyone else at the ranch that came there had never ridden a horse. And the horses that we were riding were all primarily new horses. So they are all they were all green horses. So the 10 guys moved into one bunk room and they got to work. Whatever you think night training is like, it well, be sure it's not glamorous. The first thing you start doing is mucking stalls. Mucking stalls kind of you go into the horse's space. That's the first job everyone always has whenever working at a ranch. And so that's what we did every day. For the first couple of days there, they were not allowed anywhere near a horse. They were definitely not getting on one. We all had the realization that it was like, what are we doing here? Like, what what is going on? Are like, how how are we going to become knights doing this? For the next several weeks, they just worked on getting in and out of a saddle, and they learned to trust the horses, and taught the horses to start to trust them. They haven't ever had anyone ride them before, so it was a lot of putting a saddle on, taking the saddle off, putting the saddle on, putting one foot up on the horse, taking the saddle off, you know, telling them it's okay and they're good for the day. They come back the next day, put the saddle on, stand up on them, sit on them. Okay, that's good enough for that day. Slowly but surely, they progressed from stable hands to squires. And they did stuff that would have felt impossible when they first arrived. They would wave colorful flags at the horses and coax them to ride towards a shiny sword. Or, eventually, get them to charge full speed ahead at another horse and rider. Like, one of my favorite moments of the whole whole experience was breaking my first lance on a shield. Like, so lining up on horseback with a helmet on, not really being able to see what is going on. And then riding at another guy and breaking a lance on their shield. The wood goes flying, the big explosion. And it's just, there's a like the power that you get and like the energy from, from that. It's, it's indescribable. Soon, Stephen and his fellow squires graduated to choreography that they would have to use in the show. Hand-to-hand fights with daggers, sword fighting with shields, going at each other with clubs and two-handed axes. 
At 30 years old, Stephen was the oldest of the group, but he'd also been the first one to joust and earn the title of head squire. He was the first in the group to get the chance to become an official knight as well. But there was just one last test he needed to pass, and it was what he had been most afraid of, to do everything that he had learned in front of thousands of spectators. I have never been more scared in my entire life for anything than when I first had to go out for my first show. You come out in uh, your joust gear and then you stand in the middle of the arena and you call out the other night. And so you're standing horse to horse with lances in hands and shields in the other hand and Half of the crowd, you know, 500 people is cheering for you. The other half is cheering for the other guy. And then you go into your spotlights and then you grab your shield and your lance. And then you race at each other, uh, you know, as fast as the horse can go and break your lances and then do it again. And then you do a second pass and then you get off your horses and then you battle to the death. Stephen got really good at dying. Most, most new knights, most of us, we died every single time. Died every day. When you're a new knight, you die. That's just how it works. As you became higher ranked, been there for longer, learned all the fights, you get to start like winning the tournament. After a whole week of performing at the Dallas Castle near the ranch, Stephen became a full-time knight, sword fighting with titanium blades, axing opponents, full speed jousting, and faking his own death every single night. It's easy to put stuff like medieval times uh, and the ranch that helps get knights ready for it into a certain box, the, the cable guy box, you know, that the people who are into it are these kind of weirdos like Jim Carrey and Matthew Broderick eating chicken with their bare hands and then duking it out in the arena. You know, everyone has those preconceived notion of, you know, what that's going to be like and what these people are doing, like they're playing dress up, you know, and, and in some sense of the word, yes, we were playing dress up and acting like knights, but it was, it was a very serious thing. It was more serious than people can imagine. The thing that made me love it was just how out of the ordinary it was. There's really no other job like that. Stephen went from never having touched a horse to doing choreography on one every day for thousands of people. He helped take horses from being skittish to being able to joust at full speed. He got thrown to the ground. He raked tons of poop. He cooked food every single day alongside the same nine guys. He performed to the point where his body literally couldn't handle it anymore. I was an old man when I first went in to medieval times. And I just, I couldn't, I, my body wouldn't allow me to stay there any longer. Sure, he was only 30 years old. And he was only a knight for about a year. But those two to three performances a day took their toll. After the adrenaline rush of jumping off a running horse was over, he would find himself covered in bruises and sprains. So when the pandemic shut down medieval times for a few months, Stephen decided it was time for a new adventure. And I work as a counselor in a rehab facility in Thailand. But of course, once a night, always a night. Like even here in Copangan in Thailand, I met a girl from Toronto, Canada, 
and was talking to her and told her I worked like I was a night and she turned at me and she was like, shut up. Was it medieval times? And I was like, yes. And I showed her the picture and she was like, oh my God, when I was a, a little kid, I loved medieval times and the nights. And I've, I've met people all around the world that know of medieval times, have been to the shows and they just, they'd love it. In a distant land, a retired knight sits by the sea. He closes his eyes and takes a much-needed rest. But behind those closed eyelids, there's a single image he'll never quite shake. A rider on a tall, white Spanish horse. Lance under one arm, shield over the other, charging him full speed ahead. I want to give a special thanks to Stephen Fisher for sharing his story of how he became a knight. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was produced by Ellie Katz. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire Seuss, Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Tanaka Maria Muvavaridwa. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. If you want to learn more, be sure to visit atlasobscura.com. There's a link in our episode description. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher.